0: We are going to, uh, we're going to be talking about Joseph. Joseph is my favorite character in the Bible. He is in the book of Genesis. This is not Jesus' dad, but this is uh, the son of Jacob, and uh, Jacob was the father of Israel. They also call him Israel in the Bible. So Joseph is, uh, Joseph is an awesome guy, and we, we see this journey of years and years um, in his life. And we see that consistently he lives life like a boss. Everything he does is like a boss. And the reason why is because he has faith and trust in God at all times when things are good, when things are bad, and he definitely suffered some bad circumstances in his life. And so uh, I'm excited about this series. We're going to spend seven weeks in it, and we're just going to go verse by verse. So it's going to be a little bit different than our other series. Our other series, we might have a subject, and we pull in a bunch of different scriptures. Here, we're just going like, to take a chapter and read through it, and then see what God has to tell us through it. So some sermons might have like two or three points to them because um, that's just what the scripture says. So uh, we are gonna open up to Genesis 37. Genesis 37, put your finger in the marker of Genesis 37. It's the first book of the Bible. This is gonna be the easiest one to ever find. Genesis 37, first book of the Bible, chapter 37. And uh, just put your finger there. We'll come back to that in a second. First, we're going to pray. Um, so, everybody, bow your heads, close your eyes we 're going to just spend a moment in silence praying, focusing our hearts on jesus, and then i 'll close us out and uh, and we will get started so let 's spend some time in prayer, Lord. We ask that you would uh, speak to us through your scripture. Um, I pray that whatever situation we 've come from tonight, whether it 's good or bad whether we 're in a great mood or a terrible mood, Lord, I pray that in this moment in these moments together we would um, as a group of believers, of students and adults, that we would all focus on you and you alone, that we would hear what you have to say through scripture, that even though it's a thousands of years old, it still applies to our day-to-day lives. And Lord, I pray that we will see um, how trustworthy and how faithful you are to us and how much you love us. In your holy name we pray, amen, amen. So how many of you have siblings? Raise your hand, most of you. How many of you are only ch- children? Okay. All right, so um, how many of you have uh, one sibling? Raise your hand. How many of you have two? Three? Four? Five? Six? Seven? Whew, okay. All right, so um, we're going to talk about a guy today, Jacob. He had 11 brothers. 11 brothers, and uh, I'm sorry, Joseph. Joseph had 11 brothers, Jacob had 12 sons. Um, and, uh, and we're gonna get into a little bit of some problems between these siblings, a little bit of sibling rivalry. Does anybody have a sibling rivalry? Do any of y'all get in fights with your siblings? Okay, all the time. We all get in fights with our siblings if we have them. Um, so, Uh, I've noticed, I started thinking about the things that me and my sisters fought about. I don't have a brother, um, but I have two sisters. One is, they're both younger than me. Uh, They're both in their 20s. They're both worship leaders. You know, most of you know them because they come in here every once in a while. They lead worship at Epworth. Um, But it's Ashley and Lindsay. And so uh, Ashley's two years younger than me, and Lindsay's like, I don't know, like six years younger than me, seven years younger than me. um, And so I started thinking about what we fought about growing up. And I realized most things that we fight about, and it's probably the same for you guys, is really like who gets what? Like who gets the most or who gets the best or who's the favorite? And, um, and really, if I thought about all the arguments that we had, most of them had to do with something about that. Like, well, who got the most? Who had the best experience or the most presence or, or, or whatever? So like when my, when my dad would go out of town, when we were little, we all wanted to sleep in my mom's bed because that was like the prize. And so we'd all fight over it. And um and uh and we'd fight over it and then like whoever got to do it would be like okay like I'm the favorite kid and then all the other kids were like man we like hate you and we get in these like fierce fights about it. Um, sometimes our, our mom would just say none of y'all can sleep in my bed because we're you're all being brats and so uh, we'd fight over that. We'd fight over I'd wake up in the morning and waking up in the morning for school is the worst thing in the history of the world. I hate the morning. I hate waking up it before like the sun even comes out to go to school, and like the only solace would be like okay well I got. A little bit of Lucky Charms left, or like a little bit of cinnamon toast crunch, or whatever whatever breakfast food I was into at that moment. And so, I'd go down, I'd go out to my to my uh, kitchen, and I'd open it up, and then I'd see that Ashley or Lindsay had taken the rest of the cereal, and then I'd get in a fight with them, and I'd usually go get sent to sit by myself in the in the dark uh, dining room and and eat alone and um, and just cry cry into my bowl of cereal and wonder why the milk never went away, but it was just full of my tears. And then um, we, would, we, would, uh, we would argue, I know this is, this is going to be really foreign to those of you who are under the age of, I don't know, 25 or really 22, something like that. But there was this thing called AOL Instant Messenger. And it was like the first social media. It was the first messaging. It was before texting. It was, I'm making myself, myself sound really old, but it was before texting. It was before Twitter. It was before anything. And it was like the original messenger online. So we'd go and, and we'd fight over who got to get Online. And uh, actually, the band was just listening to the, to the dial up sound up there earlier today. And, and that's what we would do. We'd fight over who got to go press click and then wait for the little. And most, most of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about because that was the noise that would happen as we signed onto the internet. And it would take like a minute. And if someone called in the middle of it, then it all got messed up and you'd have to start all over again. But we'd get on this thing called AOL Instant Messenger. And we would just like basically text people and, and we'd, we'd go on and you have your little username and you and you'd try to find somebody that you liked and then you would talk to them for like three hours about nothing. And um, nothing's really changed today. You just don't use AOL Instant Messenger. You use texting or, or, or whatever. And so we'd argue who got to go on Instant Messenger. I remember tears being shed between me and Ashley about who would be able to go online and talk to their friends. We would argue about who set shotgun or if we were going on a long trip, we'd want to sit in the back because that was the bench seat and then you could lay down and put a pillow on one end and just kind of stretch out on the bench. Um, we would fight over chores. How many of y'all fight over chores? We'd fight over our chores, who got the worst chore, who got the best chores. We'd fight over um, who got to watch the certain TV channel. We had one TV in the house, so it'd be like the fight between, oh, I wanna turn into this, I wanna turn into that. And we would just get in all these fights, and it was all based around who got what, who was first, who got the most, who got to be the favorite. And so what we're gonna see in this uh, And this story here in Genesis 37 is is a sibling rivalry, a situation where a bunch of brothers were mad at their other brother because they saw that he got the most. They saw that he was the favorite. They saw that he got the best and that he was always picked first by their father, Jacob. And so Joseph was uh, the second youngest of 12. He had one younger brother and 11 older brothers. At this moment, you're, you're going to see he's 17 years old. So uh, he, he's a teenager. All of his brothers are in their 20s and 30s. They all have wives. They all have kids. And so he really is, even though he's not the youngest, he's kind of like the runt uh, of the family. And and uh, what we're going to see is that because of who his mom was, because uh, his mom was Rachel, and Rachel was the one that Jacob loved the most, he was treated better than the other brothers who were born to his less favorite wives. And, and you may wonder why he had multiple wives. He disobeyed God. Um, he, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And, uh, and so anyway, that's why he had all these other sons that didn't like um, their brother because, well, he was from the favorite mom. And he was, he was the young brother. And he was the one that had been born in the old age and that Jacob had loved the most. He was kind of the daddy's boy of the family. So we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 37. You all there? We there? Very good, all right. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. Now, this is the account of Jacob's family line, but it's really the account of Joseph. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks, tending the sheep and the, and the livestock with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. Remember, they were from different moms, and so that's why it mentions that. And his, those were his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. So the first, the first thing he's kind of done wrong, or uh, it sounds like Jacob kind of gave him the task of going and, and, and figuring out what was going on with the brothers. Um, but he gives his father a bad report. Apparently they were doing something they shouldn't have done. And so they weren't very happy with him. And then it, te- it continues to tell us why they weren't happy with him and the real, uh, the real basis of their hatred for him. It says, now Israel, also known as Jacob, loved Joseph more Than any of his other sons. Now, many of you think uh, my other sister or my other brother is the favorite, but for the most part, your parents probably don't have favorites. But it's very clear in the Bible, like he was the favorite, and they knew it. It was a definite, there was no question about it. Joseph was the favorite of Jacob. And the reason why was besides the fact that his mother was Rachel, was also because he had been born to him in his old age. And so Jacob made an ornate robe for him. Other translations say that this was like a coat of many colors, um, that it would have been this beautiful flowing coat made out of the greatest uh, materials, and he would have walked around in this thing and just stuck out like a sore thumb in the middle of just desert and and nothingness because he's coming around. Everybody else is wearing brown and tan, and he's wearing this, this colored coat. So he made this ordinate robe for him. And when the brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated Joseph. And they could not speak a kind word to him. Many of you, you might have sibling rivalry, but you can at least say like one nice thing. Every once in a while, there might be moments of peace between you and your siblings. But we see here that his, his siblings could not even say one kind word to him. Not even one. So Joseph had a dream. And what we're going to find out is that God gave him this dream. So Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Here was the dream. Listen to this dream I had, he said. When we were binding sheaves of grain, kind of like bundles of grain, we were were binding bundles of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to rule over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. This is the third time in a couple of verses that they've said they hated their brother. They hated their brother. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now this time, he's involving not just the brothers, but mom and dad, because the sun and the moon were mom and dad, and the stars were his brothers, his 11 brothers. And so when he told this to his father, verse 10, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, and his father kept the matter in mind. The first Two things in your notes. The first thing is God has a dream for our lives. God has a dream for our lives. You don't have to turn there, but I'm just gonna read a couple of verses out of uh, Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16.3 says this. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. He will establish your life. He will establish the dreams for your life. 16 verse um, Verse 9 says this, In their hearts, humans plan their course. In other words, in our day-to-day, we plan what we're going to do. But the Lord, God, establishes their steps. So we may do whatever we want, but God has a dream for our lives. God had a dream for Joseph's life that he gave to him at the age of 17. And so the first thing is I just want you to know God has created you for a purpose and has a plan for you no matter where you are in life, no matter if things are terrible, no matter if things are great, no matter how old you are, whether you believe in him or not, God has a dream for your lives. The second thing we we learn here because sometimes we hear, oh, God has a dream for your life. Everything's gonna be great. My life is already set out. I don't even have to do anything. Here's the second point. We will probably be doubted and criticized for that dream. We will probably be doubted and criticized for that dream. Joseph tells his dream to his family. Of course, you would tell a dream to a family, um, the, the people that are close to you, the people that believe in the same God as you do. And he tells this dream to them, and they ridicule him. They make fun of him. You, you're the youngest. And in this time, um, in this time age was a huge thing. The oldest brother usually got everything. So the fact that the second youngest brother was the favorite was a big slap in the face to the oldest brother. And so um, they're saying, you're 17 years old. You don't have a wife, you don't have kids. You haven't done anything, Joseph. How are you gonna rule over us? We're gonna get dad's stuff. We're gonna get everything that dad has for us. You're not gonna get anything. You're not gonna rule over us, you're crazy. And they criticized him. Following the dream that God has for us we will take faith, and trust in God. And most people don't have that. Most people don't have the patience and the trust in their heavenly father. And we have to be willing to live for God and not for people. We've talked about that tons of times. We talk about that almost every week. We have to be willing to live for God and what he wants and not what the world says. So you will be doubted and criticized. People will be jealous of you like the brothers were. But we have to follow the dream God has set out for us. We have to follow the dream God has set out for us. If we want to see it happen, we can't just sit back and just wait. We have to go after it to see that greater abundant life he has for us. Let's continue um, in the scripture. We're gonna be in verse 12. Now, his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, and Israel, Jacob, said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he said. So he said to them, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me, much like he had done before. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? Because he had just been sent to an area to find his brother. So he's kind of just roaming the fields and this guy's like, what are you looking for? Verse 16, he replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing with their flocks? The man says, they have moved on from here. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. Verse 18, but they saw him in the distance and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. They plotted to kill him. It's interesting, Jesus teaches in the New Testament about, um, on on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you have even, hated someone in your heart, you might as well have murdered them. Why does he say that? He says that because hate leads to action. Hate leads to being angry with and taking it out on people. And so we see that, that, that action happen in these brothers' lives. They hated them, they hated them, they hated them, and now all of a sudden they say, you know what, we're just gonna kill them. Verse 19, here comes that dreamer. Listen to the sarcasm they have as, they, as he walks towards them. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then, again with sarcasm, then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. We'll see what becomes of his dreams. The third point is a question. How do you respond to others' dreams and success? How do you respond to others' dreams and success? Because probably what we did was we heard that first part. We're like, okay, I'm Joseph, and I have a dream, and other people are going to try to criticize me, but I'm going to fight through it. But the reality is we're also going to be in the opportunity or in the situations where we can be the brothers too, and where we're going to have people come to us and tell, the, tell us their dreams for their lives, the things that God has, has led them to, the things that they want to do, or they might come and tell us, this is what happened. Listen to this great thing that happened to me. Listen to this great thing that's going on. I got this relationship, or, or this job, or this grade, or I made this team, and you're, you're gonna have an opportunity. You're gonna have the opportunity to respond in anger and jealousy, or you're gonna have the opportunity to respond in encouragement and in praise. How will you respond to others' dreams and successes. It will give you a good picture of how your heart is. Because some of you might feel like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. I I don't really mess up that much. I don't deal with much sin. But then someone tells you about something that they did well, or something good going on, you're like, yeah, right. Oh, you're terrible. I'm better than you. And you start comparing, and you start contrasting, and you respond in anger and jealousy like the brothers did. So we're going to continue and see what happened with their plans. Verse 21, when Reuben heard this, Reuben is the oldest brother. Again, this is the one that Probably would have hated him the most because, well, he had had everything taken from him. He was supposed to be the firstborn, the most loved, the most high in the family, and Joseph got all that. So Reuben hears of this, but he tried to rescue him from their hands. So he tries to do the right thing. He says, let's not take his life. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern, which is like an empty well. It was a dry well. Here in the wilderness, they threw him into a pit, basically. Throw him into this cistern, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So he basically tries to buy some time. He basically tries to buy some time. So verse 23, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe. They tore it off, the ornate robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty and there was no water in it. This is not in your notes, but I want you to write this down. Some of you are going through a situation with your family or your friends or school or whatever. Maybe it's just inner turmoil and you feel like you're in a pit. You feel like you're tossed in and you're lonely and you have no water, you have nothing to drink, you have nothing to, to, to sustain you and you feel like there's nothing better. It's never gonna get better, it's terrible. And I want you to see this picture of Joseph and you're gonna see what ends up happening to him as we go through this series. But I want you to know that God still has a plan for you in the pit. I want you to write that down. God still has a plan for you in the pit. So you may be in that moment right now and you need to hear that word of encouragement or you may not be in that moment, but you're gonna be in that moment at some point. At some point, we're all gonna be in a pit and we have to know that God still has a plan for us in the pit. So we're gonna continue on. Now Judah, one of the other older brothers, says to his brothers, I'm, I'm sorry, I skipped a few verses. We're on, uh, we're on verse 25. As, he, as they sat down to eat their meal, so they throw him in the pit, they go to eat a meal. They looked up and they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Joseph said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all... He is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed, what a, what a Saint Judah is. He says, okay, we, we're not gonna kill him. He's our brother. Come on, guys. Let's, let's, let's be honest. We got we gotta, we, He's our flesh and blood, right? Let's just sell him into slavery. We'll never see him again. He'll live his life and he'll get beaten and, and destroyed for the rest of his life. But oh, what, what great guys we are. And so he sells them to this group. It says, so when the Midianite merchants, that was another name for the Ishmaelites. When the Midianite merchants came by, his brother's, pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. Who took him to Egypt. Verse 29. I'm sorry. Next point in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in your notes is this. The path to God's dream won't be easy. But I want you to add this out to the, next, to, to the side of that point. But it's worth it. The path to God's dream won't be easy, but... It's worth it. We're going to see how Joseph's path wasn't so easy. He had this great dream of of his life, of of being a ruler, of being in power and authority. And now, at the age of 17, he's a slave. He's going to another land where he knows no one. He's separated from his family. And furthermore, it's not even like he was sold into slavery by bad guys. He was sold into slavery by his family, by his own brothers. And we're going to see throughout the Bible, if you've looked at anything in the Bible, the prophets, Jesus, the disciples, all of them had to go through some stuff to achieve God's dream for them. They had to go to prison. They had to be beaten. They had to be tortured. Jesus went to the cross to achieve God's dream for him. But he was willing to do it because it's worth it in the end. God's dream is always worth it no matter what the pits are, no matter what the struggles are, no matter what the obstacles are. But that's why it requires faith and patience and patience. And endurance. In uh, Philippians, Paul writes a letter to this church, and he says, um, he says that we must press on towards the goal that God has set out for us in Christ Jesus. God has set this, this this dream out for us in Jesus' name, but we have to press on to get to it. We have to fight through the obstacles. We have to run hard to get to the goal. And Paul did that in his life. He he went through all kinds of obstacles to get to the goal of God's dream for his life. And now this is where the, the, the points are gonna kind of take a turn because that's just what happens here in the scripture because we see a little story here about Reuben. Reuben, once again, is the oldest brother. And in verse 29, this is what it says. Reuben returned to the cistern. We're not really sure where Reuben was. He, he, he helped him get into the cistern and then he just disappears for some reason. But for whatever reason, he comes back and he makes the realization that Joseph's gone. It says when Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there. He tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there, where can I turn now? Maybe may be a very short portion, but we, we, we learned two things from Reuben. One is that we must stand up for what is right. We must stand up for what is right. So write that down, stand up for what is right. Here's the deal, Reuben understood that they needed to help Joseph. He understood as the oldest brother, it was his responsibility, but look at what he does. He doesn't stand up to the brothers and say, I'm taking him and you're not touching the boy. I'm taking him back to dad and you're not going to do anything. What does he do? Well, let's throw him in a pit and just see what happens. And the Bible tells us he had this little backdrop plan that he was going to save him kind of when the brothers weren't looking and take him back. The deal was he wasn't willing to stand up to his brothers. He wasn't willing to stand up for what is right. And the last note, uh, the last last point in your notes is don't live a life of regret. Don't live a life of regret. We see in verse 30, in verse 29 and 30, that he tears his clothes in agony. He screams out to his brothers, the boy isn't there, exclamation point. Where can I turn now? In other words, what am I going to do? What am I gonna do with my life? My life is over. I've just ruined the life of my brother and in turn, ruined the life of my father. And we're gonna see just in this point and throughout the story that he lives a life of regret. He lives a life of shame and guilt. And the deal is God wants us to live a life of peace, a life of abundance. He says, I came to give you the abundant life. He wants us to live a life of love, a life where we're satisfied by him and not by things of the world, where no matter what happens to us in the world, we still have God. That's the kind of life he wants for us. He doesn't want this, shame and regret that Reuben had. He doesn't wanna see us on the floor in our room in agony, crying over the things we've done wrong, crying over the the mistakes we've made, screaming out in shame and regret. There's nothing worse than living a life of regret. And then let's finish off the chapter. It says, so they got Joseph's robe, and they slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. Then they took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. So they take it back to Jacob, and they say, look, something got him. We just found the robe. Sorry, we we couldn't do anything about it. So Jacob recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Just just so you know, deceit doesn't really just end with the first deceit. It never ends with the first deceit. You always have to cover yourself. So you lie once, then you have to lie again, then you have to lie again, then you have to lie again. And that's what these guys are going to have to do. They're going to have to lie for years and years and years to cover up this thing that they've done to Joseph. Then Jacob tore his clothes because he was in agony as well. He put on sackcloth and he mourned for his son for many days. We've talked about this before. They would cover themselves in dirt and ashes. They'd put on this rough sackcloth clothing to just remind themselves of the physical and emotional agony they were in when someone had passed away. Verse 35, all his sons and daughters came to comfort him. All of a sudden, they're trying to comfort him after they just sold a son into slavery. But he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. In other words, I will continue to mourn for the rest of my life. I'm never gonna get over this. So his father wept for him. Ben, go ahead and come back up. 36, meanwhile, the Midianites, the, the, the Ishmaelites, the Midianites, whatever you wanna call them, sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So he, he ends this chapter going to Egypt to work for Potiphar, who is the captain of the royal prison, the captain of, uh, of all the, the, the people that had basically sinned or committed, uh, committed crimes against Pharaoh. And he keeps the prison for them. And that's where jo- Joseph ends up at the end of this chapter. And we'll pick back up next week um, in, verse, in chapter 39. 38 uh, is not about Joseph, but we'll pick up in thirty. Nine, <clears throat> but here's what I, how I want to close um, the, the name of this this, uh, this talk is Dreamers and the reason why it's Dreamers is because God has a dream for our lives but as I said before that dream can only be accomplished in the name of Jesus it can only be accomplished through faith and trust in a God that loves us and a son that came to die for us and so we're going to see how much faith and love and devotion and patience Joseph had as we go through this series. But what I want to offer you to, to you tonight is a chance to take a step towards living that dream. Again, apart from Jesus, we cannot live the dream and the path that God has set out for us. He has it ready for us, and he's saying, come on, just take, take my way, and you're going to see this dream come to fruition, He's also saying another thing. Take take this path, follow me, and you don't have to live a life of regret. You don't have to live a life where you're constantly looking over your shoulder, where you're constantly worried about what you did wrong, where you're constantly living in this shame and guilt. And so to the Christians in the room, the people that you, you love Jesus, you've already turned your life to Christ. Perhaps you just need to remember that in Jesus there is freedom from guilt and shame. In Jesus, there is a plan and a dream for your life. And no matter what situation you're in right now, no matter what situation you're in right now, I don't care how bad it is, God still has a dream for your life. And no matter how good it is, no matter how good things are going, God still, God still has, a, has a dream for your life. And we need to stay connected to our Heavenly Father. We need to stay in communion with our Heavenly Father. We need to stay in our church body, in our church family, in our life groups, in the word of God, in prayer, in order to see the steps that he wants us to take. Again, we make our plans, as it says in Proverbs, but God establishes our, our fate. God establishes our, our plans and our life and the way everything ends up. And so, um, so that's what I want you to do if you're a Christian. I want you to remember that. I want you to be encouraged by that. If you do not know Jesus as your savior, that's what we mean when we say uh, if you're a Christian, if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to take a step towards his dream for your life, to take a step towards living a life of no regret. And I know we do this every week, so some of you might, may think, well, I've already done this. Well, you may have already done it, but someone in this room hasn't. Someone in this room has never taken that step of faith. And so I want you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to close as we often do. We're going to close with the opportunity to give your life over to Christ And the book of Romans says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. Then we will live a life of no regret. Then we will be able to live out the dream that he has for our lives. So in this moment, um, just of of privacy, it's just between you and God, I want you, um, if, if you'd like to accept what Jesus did for you, accept him as your Lord and Savior, I'd like you to pray this prayer with me. And I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand on the count of three if you'd like to do that because I'd just like to meet you. One of our, uh, Christian or Jacob, one of our life group leaders, um, will just uh, kind of grab you if they see your hand go up and, and I'll meet you in the back. We'll talk for a couple minutes and then you'll come back out and join everything else. I just wanna meet you and talk to you about your decision. Um, <clears throat> nothing scary. So um, if you want to give your life over to Christ for the first time, to make him the savior of your life, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, God has a dream for your life. Two, he doesn't want you to live a life of no regrets. Three, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I'll give you another, another moment to raise your hand if you'd like to make that, make that statement of faith. All right, pray with me. Jesus, I'm yours. I know I need a savior. I know you love me that you died for me. Forgive me for what I've done wrong. Be the Lord of my life. I give it all over to you. In your name I pray, amen.